Hey, welcome back to Hollywood Party. I'm glad you made it. Today, we're learning how to be a movie star from the one who wrote the book on it. She was the second movie star to make $1 million and the first one to spend it. Actress, producer, self-publicist, businesswoman, fashion designer, writer, nutritionist, and health food advocate, married six times, mother of three, grandma of seven, Gloria Swanson. Grab a drink and join the party. Josephine Swanson was born March 27, 1899 in Chicago, Illinois to Addie and Joseph. Joe was a civilian clerk in the army transport, so the family moved around a little because of this. She went to 16 different schools, and although her education was less than stellar, Joe urged her to always seek out answers and have a curious mind. I wouldn't classify him as one of our typical unambitious dads. He was always employed in the military, so he's got that going for him. She kind of romanticized him a little bit. He didn't die early in her life, but she said she loved his smell and always looked up to him. But she did call all of her husbands daddy, so there's probably some weirdness that she doesn't talk about. The first time she was on stage, she was 13 years old, and she decided she wanted to be an opera diva. Well, half of that would actually come to fruition. When she was 16, her aunt took her to visit SNA Studios. Of course, she gets hired that day and she meets Wallace Berry, who was in drag at the time. Gloria denies she ever wanted to become a movie star, but the biggest star on the lot was Francis X. Bushman, and he said he always saw her hanging around the studio and had to tell her to get out of there because she was underage and, you know, that disgusting tale is old as time. Side note on Francis X. Bushman, this guy drove a lavender limo and he wore a door knocker of an Amethyst ring. Trust me, I know what you're thinking, but he had five kids, so maybe he just looked super bomb in purple. Anyway, Gloria got a standard contract of $20 a week, and she took it because her dad was being transferred to Manila, and she did not want to go there. A lot of big names who just hadn't made it yet were working at SNA at the time. Luella Parsons was the head scenario writer, and Charlie Chaplin was making movies there. Yes, she did test with him. She did not get the role of leading lady because she didn't laugh. Chaplin said she reminded him of himself because he didn't find himself humorous and was also very tiny. Gloria was 4 foot 11 inches. She swore up and down that she was never in a Chaplin film. She totally was. It was a bit part, so that's probably why she's like, I wasn't really in it. Wallace Berry started driving Gloria home, and right after that, he quickly disappeared when a mad parent of an underage actress accused him of inappropriate behavior. Of course, the studio didn't fire him. They just sent him to California to work at the studios there. He wrote to Gloria and convinced her to come out. So she talked to her mom and was like, hey, let's stop in LA on the way to see dad in Manila. Wallace picked him up from the train depot and no one went to Manila, ever. So Wallace Berry ran away from home when he was 16 years old, and he joined Ringling Brothers as an assistant elephant trainer until he got mauled by a leopard. Then, after he healed, he got into the movies. He and Gloria dated for less than two months before they got married on her 17th birthday. Francis X. Bushman said right away Wallace Berry, the biggest wolf in the place, got her, and before long, he had to marry her. Get the point? 
Yeah, we got it, Francis. She said he raped her on her wedding night, and that was when she knew it was a man's world. Damn, dude, you do not have to get raped to figure that out. Ugh. She had a meeting with Max Sennett to work at Keystone Studios. It was said that Max's door and fly were always open. No girl ever got on the lot if she hadn't first been on his casting couch. Lovely. He put Gloria in comedies and she didn't think she could do it. And she realized with a quickness that her career depended on the technicians. She was always super nice to them. It didn't take long before she wound up pregnant. One day, she's not feeling great, so Wally goes to the drugstore and gets her some pills. She takes them, blacks out, somehow makes it to the doctor, and he says, hey, you've had a miscarriage. She goes home, takes the pills to the pharmacy, and says, what are these? And they're like, oh yeah, those are abortion pills. She walked out on Wallace that day and moved back in with her mom. She still had to work with him, and everybody on the set was aware of how much she freaking hated his guts. They were divorced in 1917, and she signed with famous players Lasky so she could go work with Cecil B. DeMille. DeMille was the son of an Episcopal minister who taught at Columbia. He was also very high maintenance and would never start work before 10 a.m. and demanded his stars wear real jewels, furs, and have loads of flowers on the set. He also insisted on having a violinist playing on the set to set the mood. DeMille was definitely responsible for turning her into the sophisticated lady of the 20s who was rich and ready for fun. All of her clothes were now couture, and she would always say that she helped design all of her costumes, even when Edith Head is the designer, which I'm sure Edith just loved that. One of the most famous scenes she did for DeMille was in The King of Babylon, where a real lion lays on her back. That movie is about a Babylonian king who feeds his wife to the lions for not giving up Christianity. Um, Babylon ended 500 years before Jesus was even born. So maybe DeMille should have asked his dad for a fact check on that one. After she finished the scene and didn't die, DeMille gave her a gold mesh purse with a sapphire in the center of it. Seriously? Someone should show DeMille Tiger King, he would lose his goddamn mind. There were a lot of rumors about her and DeMille having an affair. She definitely had a crush on him, but years later, he told his daughter that he never made a move on Gloria. Plus, he had three other mistresses, so he was freaking busy enough. Gloria ended up meeting Herbert Somborn at the Alexandria Hotel in downtown LA. He was one of the richest men in Pasadena and the president of Equity Pictures. He also was co-owner of the Brown Derby. He realized Jesse Lasky was screwing Gloria out of money because she got $50 a week and other ladies in film were getting $250,000 a film plus a percentage of the gross. He told her, we've got to get you in the hands of some Eastern European Jews. FYI, Herbert was Jewish. After they got married, Herbert wanted to keep up appearances, so they lived in the Alexandria Hotel, which was very expensive. When her new husband was out one day, she opened up a desk drawer and found it was stuffed with unpaid bills in her name, including a bill for a necklace her husband had given her as a present. If you're paying for it, it's not a gift. So she is not thrilled with him, but of course finds out she's pregnant. She gives birth to little Gloria Somborn in 1921. DeMille gave the baby a pearl and diamond necklace. How useful. When she went back to work, some of the ladies were making bitchy remarks about her baby weight. DeMille told her, as a star, you have to learn to hear what you want to hear. 
Ignore what you have to ignore. You have to learn to take the cream and leave the milk. That's not bad advice, and she definitely learned to do that. She went a little overboard sometimes with it, but good advice nonetheless. Jessie Lasky got famed novelist Eleanor Glynn to come write a movie just for Gloria. If you think Gloria Swanson is eccentric, she is like a basic bitch compared to Eleanor. Jessie Lasky Jr. recalled meeting Eleanor as she got off the ship to America. He said, flaming red hair, green eyes, powder white face, dripping with leopard skins. She looked more like one of her own heroines than an authoress. Hey, they say write what you know. She lived at the Hollywood Hotel, where the Hollywood and Highland Mall is now, with her maid Blinky, Oh, that is an amazing name. And her dressmaker. Her two-room suite was decorated with oriental rugs, buddhas, crystal balls, gongs, and a tiger skin rug. She hosted Sunday afternoon teas dressed in Persian pajamas that her sister, Lady Lucy Duff Gordon, designed for her. Lady Lucy was the designer of the day, and she even, like, survived the Titanic. This family's awesome. With all these tapestries and velvets and crystal balls, Eleanor gives me major Stevie Nicks vibes. Gloria was on the hunt for a new man, and she found one in director Mickey Nealon. He did all of Mary Pickford's big pictures. She was still married to Herbert, and Mickey was married, but he dated a lot of famous ladies and was engaged to Blanche Sweet while he was still married. So I don't know how that works, but okay, guy. Gloria went on a trip to Paris to secretly meet up with Mickey. He was a drunk and threatened suicide if she wouldn't marry him. And Gloria's like, okay, okay, but you need to marry Blanche first while I get my divorce. I don't understand this logic, but they never got married. Mickey and Blanche did though. They were married for seven years. Herbert sued Gloria for divorce and accused her of adultery with a dozen plus men None of them were true except for Mickey. She had to fork over a lot of cash for him to change the accusation to desertion. One of the roles that Gloria was pissed that she didn't get was Peter Pan. She even had photos made up to show Lasky that she could do it. Mary Pickford also didn't get the role and both of the ladies took comfort in the fact that Lillian Gish thought she was assured the part and didn't get it either. Gloria did spin things to the gossip magazines and said that she met J.M. Barry and he was writing a play just for her. She never met him and no, he was not. During the mid-20s, she dated a guy named Leroy Sport Pierpoint Ward. It's like she's living in a Fitzgerald novel. That is the waspiest name I have ever heard. She adopted a little boy so that Gloria could have a friend. His name was Joseph Patrick Swanson after her father, not after another Joseph Patrick we haven't met yet. Everyone just called the little boy brother, and he was really close with little Gloria because mom wasn't around much, and they were basically raised by nannies and chauffeurs. Gloria went to work on a film in France and met Henry, who was a Marquis de blah blah blah. Dude, I took three years of Spanish, not French, so Marquis is all you're getting out of me. Anyways, he liked being called Hank, so we're just gonna use that, thank God. He was a broke-ass French dude with noble lineage. Her kids really loved Hank. Little Gloria said he was our favorite. He never interfered with us. Others would interfere in that they would make suggestions as to how we should be brought up or something. But he was a lovely person. He helped Gloria rent a mansion while she was working. This was Paris in the 20s and Gloria did it right. She spent $5,000 on purses, $25,000 on furs, $10,000 on lingerie, $10,000 on silk stockings, $6,000 on perfumes, $50,000 on gowns, $500,000 on jewelry, including a 5.1 carat rectangular diamond ring. One time, she ducked into Cartier to avoid the press and walked out with $20,000 in bracelets. Dude, the 20s were wild. At the end of 1924, she wound up pregnant. And 
she and Hank were not married yet. So she planned an abortion without telling him. And he told her, hey, I planned our wedding. It's going to be January 28th. And she had scheduled the abortion for the day after. Technically, she didn't have to have it, but she went through with the procedure and it did not go great. She got a tetanus infection that turned into septic poisoning. She was probably going to die. They shaved her head during this infection. I don't really know why they did that. But she survived. When they returned to Hollywood three months later, it was fucking insanity. When she got off the train, everyone was there. Mary Pickford, Doug Fairbanks, Chaplin, Valentino, DeMille. She had a limo take her downtown where the mayor greeted her with not one, but two brass bands. The limo then drove down Sunset Boulevard, which was roped off to all other traffic. There were banners across the street that said, Welcome Home, Gloria. Hedda Hopper said, as Gloria's car slowly rounded the corner from Sunset on Divine, the band struck up and the school children pelted her with flowers and all pandemonium broke loose. It took her about 10 minutes to go from the corner to the gate halfway up the block. It was an emotion orgy. Gloria did exaggerate parts of her life when talking about them, but this was not one of them. I linked the Kevin Brownlow Hollywood documentary on my blog, and she goes into detail about this day. Hearing it and reading it, you can think, yeah, whatever, she's stroking her own ego. It's not that big of a deal. There is newsreel footage. I cannot imagine something like this happening today. It would be like if Brad Pitt married royalty, almost died, then didn't, then came home. I can't think of any other modern star that's still hot and pretty much everyone's like loves. So insert your favorite star. That's what it would be like. Later that night, her movie premiered at Grauman's Million Dollar Theater downtown. The orchestra played Home Sweet Home when she walked in and the whole damn place started crying. On the way home that night, she told her mom, it should have happened when I was 50. I'm only 26. What's left? How can I top that? She and Hank threw bonkers parties like all the time. The house they lived in used to be the Gillette Mansion. It is on Crescent Drive. It's still there. They redid it. I put pictures before and after. It's right across the street from the Beverly Hills Hotel. So if you live in LA, you have definitely passed it. At their parties, all of her guests would get party favors of either gold compacts for ladies or gold cigarette holders for men. She said, the public wanted us to live like kings and queens. So we did. And why not? We were in love with life. We were making more money than we ever dreamed existed, and there was no reason to believe it would ever stop. She employed 11 servants, plus nannies, gardeners, cooks, butlers, up and downstairs maids, and chauffeurs. She also had a girl whose job was to throw rose petals in front of Gloria to walk on. How do you put that on a resume? Oh, I throw rose petals really well. Gloria was making a million dollars a year, and in 2020 money, that's almost $15 million a year. She said, we were the romance and the royalty of the United States. We were the fairy tales come true. Gloria's not wrong. That's what's fun about old Hollywood stars. They loved it. They loved being stars. At this time, Paramount was willing to offer her $22,000 a week, but she went to United Artists, who gave her $200,000 a picture and signed her for six films. She also started Gloria Swanson Corporation, Inc. Her first film made no money, and the second one was going way over budget. So while she's dealing with these budget issues, she still has time for publicité. She becomes one of the first of 10 stars to put their hands and feet down at Grumman's Chinese Theater. Then her film, The Love of Sonia, premiered at the brand new Roxy Theater in New York. 
That theater had over 6,000 seats and a 15-foot-long chandelier. It's often credited as the most beautiful theater ever built. We will be coming back to this place. She made Sadie Thompson, which was also known as Rain, and was super risque for the time because it's about a hooker. Her version versus the Joan Crawford version is really fun to watch because you can watch their lips and see the cast yelling curse words at each other. It's fantastic. She blows through more money making that, and then the IRS says, hey, um, you owe us for back taxes. Give us $100,000. So she seeks out Joseph Patrick Kennedy for financial advice. He went to Harvard, was a bank examiner, then a bank president before starting his own investment firm. Joe sent a team of people to go through Gloria's finances and was able to keep her from bankruptcy. He asked Hank and Gloria to come to Palm Beach for a getaway so he could go over business stuff with them. He had Hank working for the French part of Pathé Studios. Joe was in charge of the American version of Pathé. He arranges for Hank to go deep sea fishing, then backs out. Gloria says, oh, I'm afraid of the sea and backs out and says, I want to go shopping instead. So yeah, Joe and Gloria are banging, but it's not good. In her autobiography, Gloria straight up said, it's a three minute wham bam, we're done. Gloria wanted someone to make her feel taken care of and Joe wanted to bang the most glamorous woman in the world because that was certainly not Rose Kennedy. They stopped having sex after their ninth child. I would too, Jesus, God, get off of her, dude. Gloria did not want a divorce. She really liked being married to Henry because she was, you know, royalty. But she does mention that Joe wants to have kids with her. Why? Don't worry, they don't, not even close. Although she was nominated, she did not attend the first Oscars because she thought if she won, Joe would be upset because it wouldn't be for one of his films. Whatever. I still would have gone. He built her an Art Deco dressing room on the Pathé lot that one day would become Carol Lombard's publicity office. She started filming Queen Kelly with Eric von Stroheim as a director. If you remember, Irving Thalberg hated his guts because he didn't know the word budget. So this guy is definitely who you want to be in charge when you're worried about your money. Things went to shit super fast. Gloria wrote to Joe and was like, hey, Von Stroheim is super moody and things are going nuts. We're losing money and the rushes stink. Instead of taking a train west to investigate, Joe sends someone to check it out. And that guy said, uh, get out here now, jackass. It's going to hell. Joe is super pissed at Gloria because for the first time in his life, he's going to fail because of her. It's not because of her, dude. Like, he didn't keep an eye on things like a good producer. I don't care about his politics. The Kennedys, as people, are not great. Here are some examples. Joe threw a big party over at his Rodeo Drive home, and there were life-size photos all set up around the house of every dude Gloria allegedly slept with. When she got there, she sees them and says, Joe, I'm glad you remembered my former life. He then invited her to Hyannisport, his compound, to hang out with his wife and litter of children. JFK caught them having sex during this trip, he was horrified, Gloria was embarrassed, and Joe thought this was hilarious. Towards the end of their affair, he asked her to consider introducing his two oldest boys to the pleasures of sex. I know it was a different time, but even Gloria's like, I wonder how much of Joe's weird sex stuff messed up his kids. Then, guess who got caught spending Gloria's money like it was his own? This human version of period cramps. He built a 
trip to Europe to her company, and then he bought a car that he gave to Sidney Howard. She called him out about the car in front of his friends, and he got up, walked away, and never spoke to her again. She later found out that Joe opened up a line of credit in her name at Bank of America with a 65% interest rate. What was he getting? Like a student loan? What interest rates are that high? Only one of her films with him made money. Gloria's last husband said this, after Kennedy, you should have seen that woman read a contract. She made sure she understood every word. Seriously, the lack of basic financial knowledge is going to be a major theme with a lot of the ladies we get to know. But even today, they don't teach anyone a damn thing about money. I never use long division, but I would really like to have known how to invest a little bit earlier in my life. Gloria gets a contract over to MGM because Mayer hated Kennedy, and by the end of 1930, all of Hollywood found out about how awful Joe was because Pathé was $2.6 million in the red. Gloria starts having an affair with a 24-year-old named Joel, McRae, and he fell in love with her. She only wanted him for sex because after old Minuteman Kennedy, Joel was a thoroughbred stud. Neither of them ever spoke of their affair, and that says a lot right there. During the 1920s, Gloria made $8 million and spent twice that. In 1931, she met Michael Farmer through Noel Coward at a bar in Paris. Michael was born to super poor parents in Ireland and later in life was adopted by a very wealthy older lady. Right. He was a man of affairs, meaning he would just arrange things for people. He and Gloria married in 1931 because she was already five months pregnant with their daughter Michelle. New husband is a drunk and she gets sick of him super quick. Her career is not going very well and she has to sell her home on Crescent Drive and most of her furniture. She was offered the main role in 20th Century but demanded too much money, so Carol Lombard got that. She was signed with Thalberg to do three pictures with him, but he didn't have enough time on earth to save everyone's career. Before he died, he had her all lined up to make Riff Raff opposite Clark Gable. That would have been really interesting. He did like older broads and was not discriminating about who he had sex with, so that could have been really cool for a lot of reasons. She signed a contract with our boy Harry Cohen and brought him Dark Victory, which he of course passed on. Moron. During this time, little Gloria's dad, Herbert, died of cancer. Luckily for her, because of the Brown Derby, he left her a $7 million trust. Little Gloria said he was a very sweet and loving father, but she had no memories of her parents together. Gloria was off the screen until 1941, but she wasn't doing nothing. She started a business called Multiprizes Inc. and went back and forth to Europe a lot. Now, this is the beginning of World War II. Why? That's kind of dangerous. Well, she knew about the concentration camps and what Hitler was doing, so her ex-husband, Hank, helped her get four inventors out of Nazi Germany. Three of them were Jewish, so she for sure saved their lives. Here are some of the things they invented glow-in-the-dark paint, the extension cord, and a dictation machine. These inventions did so well that there was a Gloria Swanson Day at the World's Fair in 1940. So if you find that Gloria is a little full of herself, literally saving people's lives is kind of a palate cleanser for that ego that she tosses around. Like, she's doing some good things. She became a grandma in 1942, and then she married a guy named William Davey. He owned a lot of real estate in LA and was a big time drunk. So that marriage lasted six months. No movies were coming in, so she wrote advice columns for newspapers and even hosted her own TV show. She did really well with that because she was super at ease with the camera, but didn't actually watch TV until she had her appendix out. When she saw how bad early television was, she resigned immediately. 
let's get a refill before we get ready for our close-up. Gloria got word that Billy Wilder wanted to test her for a movie. He already asked Mary Pickford to play the part of Norma Desmond, and she loved the role but said, you don't want me. There are two actresses that could do this part better. One is Gloria Swanson, that's my first choice, and the next is Pola Negri. It's also said that George Cukor suggested Gloria for the part. George definitely told Gloria to do the test, like suck it up, do the test. I will help you because nobody loves a screen test more than George Cukor. Wilder asked her to improvise dialogue as a character, and uh, she did. Apparently, she exuded such savagery and madness that Brackett and Wilder shifted the entire story to focus on her character. Four days into shooting, Gloria's first husband, are you losing track of them? Wallace Berry, died of a heart attack. Gloria loved making this movie. She was super bummed when they were done with it because she had a blast. Charlie Brackett, however, did not. This was the last time he worked with Billy Wilder because they had a big falling out over the beauty regime scene. Charlie thought it was humiliating. Yeah, it is crazy what women have to go through, especially older women. 300 Hollywood insiders were allowed to preview the film at Paramount. Some people hated it, like L.B. Mayer, who told Wilder, You bastard, you've disgraced the industry that made and fed you. You should be tarred and feathered and run out of the country. Wilder responded with, Fuck you, go shit in your hat. Go shit in your hat is a great response. We should all start using that again. Others saw it for the masterpiece that it was. Barbara Stanwyck knelt down in front of Gloria and said, I know where my place is at your feet. Groucho Marx said, here is the real place for that immortal line, what happened? I feel like I've been hit by an earthquake. Decades later, Billy Wilder was asked who his favorite star to work with was. He worked with a lot of fantastic people, so this is not an easy question. This is his response. Gloria Swanson, you must remember that this was a star who at one time was carried in a sedan chair from her dressing room to the soundstage. When she married the Marquis and came back from Europe to New York, and by train from there to Hollywood, people were strewing rose petals on the railroad tracks in her direction. She'd been one of the all-time stars, but when she returned to the screen in Sunset Boulevard, she worked like a dog. She had her comeback in Hollywood. Now she won a one on Broadway. So she did 20th Century with Joe Ferrer. The reviews were amazing. She and Joe were both nominated for Oscars that year. I know I was talking about Broadway, but I mean Oscars for sure. This was probably one of the toughest years ever in Oscar history. All About Eve won over Sunset for Best Picture. Judy Holiday beat Gloria out for Best Actress. Look, Judy did an amazing job. But was she better than Gloria? Was she better than Betty Davis? Come on. Gloria said she wasn't disappointed and just let it roll off her back. During this time, her daughter Michelle got a job in a touring play, and then Henry Wilson, Rock Hudson's manager, got her a job in Monte Carlo Baby. It was like a movie with Audrey Hepburn. Gloria's advice to her was, if you don't discipline yourself, life will. Damn, okay. Michelle was not made out for acting. She did the one movie and then married a French dude while she was filming that. Gloria was offered some movie contracts, but screwed herself over by asking for more money. This also happened when she was asked to take over for Katherine Hepburn in the play Coco that Rosalind Russell's husband produced. She did, however, have a really successful line of clothing for a number of years that sold at Saks Fifth Avenue. She did some work in Europe, some more plays, and even tried to get a Sunset Boulevard musical off the ground. In 1960, the Roxy Theater was knocked down for some new and exciting businesses. 
It is now a TGI Fridays and a KFC. Life Magazine got her to do a photo shoot in the middle of that wreckage. This photo inspired Stephen Sondheim to write the musical Follies, and more significantly, write the song I'm Still Here. Healthy living wasn't something Gloria got into during her golden years. She was always into it, like super into it. In 1947, she was diagnosed with cancer and she went to this holistic doctor who said, you can cure it just by changing the way you eat. She became a vegetarian and the cancer went away, like not even kidding you. She did yoga, packed her own food to eat at parties, rarely ate bread, no salt on her veggies. She thought central heating was bad for you. So she ripped it out of her Fifth Avenue apartment. She also did not like pesticides. So her place was full of roaches. Ah, New York. She also went to this Swiss doctor that Cary Grant and Marlena Dietrich went to. This guy specialized in taking stem cells out of sheep placenta and injecting it into his patients to make them look better. I'm not saying it didn't work, but Gloria Swanson did not have any forehead wrinkles like from the 1930s up until like when she's 80. Look at the photos of her. There's no wrinkles on her forehead and Botox was not a thing. She and her last husband, Michael Dufty, wrote about how sugar is awful for you. It totally is. Like she did not have sugar at all in her house. She was not the cool grandma. Husband number six also helped her write her autobiography that came out in 1980. It is excellent and gigantic. It's a great read if you're bedridden. She hadn't spoken about her affair with Kennedy until this book was published. Rose Kennedy was still alive and released this statement. Gloria Swanson's autobiography at 80 may make her a popular figure, but what lasting value has her life left us? What? What lasting value did Joe Kennedy leave us? His son's actions are not his own, so... <clears throat> Back up, Rose. In 1983, Gloria had some heart attacks that turned into a paralyzing stroke. She begged the doctors not to give her a tracheotomy. They performed a surgery on her, and when she woke up, she found out they had done just that. She died of a fatal heart attack 20 minutes later, probably because she was so pissed off. She wanted her epitaph to say, she paid the bills. It does not say that, but it totally should. Glory was cremated and is interned in the basement of a Manhattan church. Both she and Joan Crawford are buried in New York and they are the most Hollywood of Hollywood broads that should be in LA. This is it's almost a crime. So let's wrap up some of the characters in her life. Her favorite husband, Hank, died in a plane crash in 1972. Michael Farmer's drunk ass died in 1975. That was Michelle's dad. Her son Joseph died in 1975 as well of an internal hemorrhage. Little Gloria died from brain cancer in 2000 and her last husband, Michael Dufty, died of cancer in 2002 in the arms of his male lover. So is Gloria coming to our party? I know she can be a little bit of a handful, but I think she was kind of justified in thinking she was hot shit. We'll save money on cocktail weenies because she's gonna bring her own food. She will probably be the best dressed out of everyone. And don't we wanna see what she's gonna wear? Besides that, she will probably bring us solid gold party favors. So yeah, Gloria Swanson, queen of all movie stars, is in. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Party. For more information about this episode, head over to hollywoodpartypodcast.com and follow us on Instagram. If you like the show, tell every single person you know, like and subscribe on Apple, leave a review, it's free and it's nice. You can also follow us on Spotify or Anchor or however you're listening to us right now. See you next week. Have that noisy girl.